uh, back at it. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined once again by Colby Powell, fresh off his trip to, was it Broken Bow? Is that where you were? Broken Bow, yes. Went and hung out in a mound of pollen in Broken Bow. Never oh, seen no. pollen like it in my life, Carson. Oh, no. Allergies? Yeah. A little bit. Not too, too bad. I started getting shots for them a couple of years ago, so I do better than I used to. But it was... It was unbelievable. I mean, every day we'd go out, we'd get in the car, and we'd have to run the wiper fluid on the windshield because we couldn't see out the windshield. It was caked in pollen. It's It was crazy. I've never seen anything like it. Wow. That's no good. My my, I don't really get allergies, but mine have been pretty bad lately. So I'm sure everyone's struggling with that as well. But uh, we got a lot to talk to. I haven't talked to you since Mike Boyden signed his contract. Cade Cunningham officially announced yesterday he's going to the NBA draft. But first, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop all things Oklahoma State in person in Stillwater or online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. We appreciate their partnership as well. I'm perusing some of the t-shirts here. They got a lot of great t-shirts. There's a Eddie Sutton Hall of Fame shirt. I would like to wear that at the offices in Indianapolis and just kind of walk around and just be like, where, where were you guys the last 10 years? But uh, there's a lot of great t-shirt options as well. So go to chrisuniversityspirit.com and get all your cowboy shopping needs colby i guess let's start with mike boyan since i haven't got a chance to talk to you i had marshall scott on in your stead and we talked a little bit about the contract but uh we don't have to worry about mike boyan leaving for south carolina or any other job he, he officially signed a seven-year extension what were your thoughts uh, i mean i was just elated whenever i first saw the news you know all the coaching turnover right now in college basketball it's really comforting to have the guy and, and he wants to be here and we want him here and he's taken care of now and uh you know i saw where his current contract where he's still taking his covid related voluntary pay cut will run through june 30th and then the new contract will kick in on july 1st this is a perfect scenario for oklahoma state and mike boynton it's you know i joked with somebody i'm like you know he probably asked for 10 years and they said well we can't do 10 anymore we got burned on a 10 we can do seven can we offer you seven and then they were able to meet there and lock him up for a while it's just it, it's a good time to be an Oklahoma State basketball fan. Things are clearly moving in the right direction. There's a good feeling around the program. There's a good feeling about Mike Boynton. He he seems to love being here. And obviously the fan base has really taken to Mike Boynton and, and really are in love with Mike Boynton. So I was, man, I was stoked whenever I got that news. What was it, Monday morning, I believe? Uh, something like that. The days are all blended together. It might have been two. Yeah, I think it was Monday. You're right. Is seven years too much, though? That's the only criticism I've seen out in the, the internet sphere is that seven years is a long time to give a guy that has really had one successful season. Is that too many years, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I could see why somebody would make that argument. Uh, my counterpoint would be, you know, would you rather have him for one year and then have somebody else come and, and scoop him up? I, I don't know. I mean, if you think he's the future of your program, that's just kind of what you do at a place like Oklahoma State. Uh, again, they didn't go 10. Obviously, 10 didn't work out. Seven, you know, obviously Mike Boynton is, he's 100% safe, untouchable for what? At least three, probably. He's probably earned himself at least another three uh, to run his program. And then after that, if things aren't going well, then you can reevaluate and you can start to figure out buyouts and stuff like that. But I, I don't see this going that direction. Maybe it does. Who knows? Maybe it does, but... With how young he is, how good of a recruiter he is, uh, how good of a coach he is, and how much he's won over the fan base, that's not a huge concern to me. 
Um, you know, if you're Oklahoma State, you got to go get your guy. And if seven years is what it took to get your guy, then you give up seven years. That's kind of how I feel about it. And I, I kind of look at it more than just basketball. Like we've talked a lot about how his approval rating, what it was even despite not winning that many games, now that he's winning. I think there's a lot to be said for liking your employee. I mean, he's obviously – he has a lot of fans within the Oklahoma State Athletic Department. He has a lot of fans within the OSU fan base. And I think if you're that well-liked, I think you're you're willing to give more years to someone that maybe hasn't proven enough in winning terms. But he's obviously done really well in recruiting, got Cade Cunningham. So I, I think there's a lot to be said for – we like and respect you. You're doing a good job. Let's just lock you up. I think there's a lot to be said for that. I mean, it's not always a case of just wins, losses purely. I think how you get along with your administration, how you get along with the fan base matters a whole lot. And I think that's, that's a big reason why I think they have so much faith in him is that they found a guy that fits and loves where he's at. He clearly loves Stillwater. So I, I had no problem with it. And a lot can change Colby because Chris Beard signed a six-year contract extension in 2019. Well, that's, you know, three years ago. He only had three years left on his deal with, with Tech before going to Austin. So it seems like seven years is a long time, but it, it really isn't in terms of, you know, coaching and, and contracts and stuff like that. No, it's not. I mean, it can pretty much flip. Uh, as soon as some big name decides that they want your guy, I mean, obviously Chris Beard's a Texas alum, but, I mean, Texas decided they wanted Chris Beard, and, I mean, when, when Texas didn't really have any rumors swirling and nothing was coming out and we didn't really know exactly what Texas was going to do, it became pretty obvious, like, okay, they're waiting until April 1st. Chris Beard's buyout goes down on April 1st, and so that's what they were waiting for. I would say I hope that Oklahoma State has Mike Boynton's contract structured in a way that if at whatever point his buyout starts to drop, let's drop that sucker on like July 1st instead of April 1st because nobody wants to wait that long to hire their coach. You drop it on <laughs> April 1st, shoot, the season just ended. Texas can wait two weeks. Texas ain't going to wait four months. So I say uh, make that buyout drop in the middle of the summer when nobody's looking for coaches. Give yourself that extra little bit of security. I do think that's a correction a lot of schools are going to make after watching what happened with Texas Tech. I mean – why wouldn't you just make the buyout, you know, May 1st instead of April 1st? You're right. And I guess let's let's talk about Chris Beer going to Texas, Colby. Obviously, I expected this. I mean, I, I talked to some people in Lubbock that said, you know, the timing was pretty, pretty correct for him to make a jump because he has a lot of people to replace on his roster. Um, obviously, he's a Texas alum. We know all those things. They built a $338 million arena. They're I think they pitched to him, Colby, look, you can be, you can come back home where you went to school, where you were a grad assistant, and you can be our Coach K. You can be our Roy Williams, et cetera. You can be the face of Texas basketball. Because Texas basketball, other than like Rick Barnes, they don't really have like a legendary figure as their basketball coach. And I know a lot of people have failed at Texas, but these coaches think they don't, they don't care what who's failed before them. They all think they're the guy and they all think they're going to be the one to, to win big. And Beard certainly has done that at tech. I think he just saw an opportunity to a make a ton of money. I, I don't know what Texas is going to pay him. It's going to be a lot new arena, you know, all that. And I just think that, uh, I, I think it makes a lot of sense, even though, you know, Shaka smart failed at Texas as well. Yeah, I, I think it makes sense for Chris Beard. 
I feel bad for Texas Tech. I really do. You know, it's it's the little guy getting stepped on by the big guy again. But that's just kind of the nature of the beast. And uh, obviously, like you said, he had some people going out. So it was a good time to leave. He's an alum at Texas. And money talks, you know, money talks. It's just, it's unfortunate for Tech. I, I don't know how I feel about just how successful Chris Beard's going to be at Texas. I think Chris Beard is a really good basketball coach. I really do. I, I think he's a, a special coach, uh, and, and he was phenomenal in Lubbock, and he was great before that. Uh, at Where was he, Little Rock? Yep. Yeah, yeah, he was great at Little Rock, great at Tech. There's just something about Texas. Um they just, as an athletic program, they do not have a good head on their shoulders. They can turn wine into water real fast in Austin. And I, I don't know what the problem is. I don't know if it's uh, the racist boosters who were sending out all those emails a few weeks back that got released. I don't know if it's just the athletic director or, or if it's the fan base. There's so much pressure to win that it doesn't work. I, I don't know if it's the fact that they get all these uh, you know, more of these prima donna type athletes who come in there. You know, that's what we've heard in the past. But, you know, you get a bunch of four and five stars, you should be able to win games. So I think the pressure for Chris Beard to succeed at Texas is incredibly high because I think a lot of people are viewing this as a can't miss hire. Okay, Texas basketball is just good now for 20 years. And I don't know if I'm there yet, Carson. They just, as an athletic department, they find ways to just make it go wrong. So I, I think Chris Beard's a good coach. Certainly wouldn't surprise me if he did turn Texas into a perennial basketball power, but I'm certainly not banking on that until I see some actual success and some actual just common sense and decency on the part of that athletic department. Well, I was one of the few people, I think one of the, probably the only person that came out and said, I had doubts about Shaka Smart succeeding at Texas. Everyone thought that was a home run hire. Oh my gosh, he's the... He just took VCU to the final four. And I, I just looked at the track record of previous VCU coaches like Jeff Capel failed at a power five school. Anthony Grant after him went to Alabama, failed as a, at a power five school. And I just think VCU is that type of job. Will Wade is he's winning at LSU, but we all know he's the face of the NCAA violations and obviously he's cheating his tail off just to win games at LSU. So I, I didn't, I didn't had, I had a lot of doubts about Shaka Smart going to Texas and succeeding, but I will say this, the, I think the reason kind of what you touched on that Texas has struggled in basketball and football for this matter is they can get five-star athletes that don't necessarily fit the vision or style of play of the coach. I think Texas football's run into that. And I think especially Shaka Smart did because he ran that Havoc style full court press at VCU to great success. And he gets Mo Bamba and all these NBA one and dunners, and he doesn't play the same style that got him the job in the first place. So I think that's the, the task and the challenge for Chris Beard. He plays kind of a rough and tumble Kelvin Sampson, Eddie Sutton style basketball. Can he get these five-star one and dunners that Texas is able to get to buy into his style of play? I think that's the real question for me, because I think Chris Beard has proven himself obviously in the big 12 level taking tech to a national championship game the question i have is we all know the talent that rick barnes got was able to get there we all know the talent that texas is able to get getting the kevin durant's of the world can he still replicate his style of play while getting these elite athletes which i'm sure is why a big reason he took the job that's the big question for me because i think he can be successful as long as he doesn't stray away from what brought him there yeah i think texas can simultaneously be a great job because of all their, you know, resources, money, 
uh, facilities, ability to, to recruit, things like that. I think it can simultaneously be a great job and be one of the hardest places in the entire country to succeed. And I, I think that that reasoning is becoming more clear over time. And it's because guys aren't given real opportunities to run their program exactly how they want to. You know, we've heard stories about, you know, just boosters, administration, whoever it is, meddling with programs, meddling with coaches, making them do all this extra stuff, uh, you know, stuff that's not going to help them be successful. And I just think that, you know, for whatever reason, Texas has decided that it is God's gift to college athletics and like they should just be able to show up and they're Texas. So now they win and they beat everybody. And that's not been how it's worked in a long time. It hadn't worked that way on the basketball court or the football court in 10, 15 years. So I, I don't know. I do think Chris Beard is a very good coach, but I'm now maybe even more fascinated than I have been at any other point to see how it plays out. Cause I know this guy can coach. I know that he can do it at this level. He's been doing it in the big 12. He made it to a national championship game. He's won the conference. I know that this guy can coach. So if he goes to Texas and can't make it work, then we have to have an even bigger conversation about the institutional failure of Texas athletics, which I'll be honest with you, kind of makes me chuckle how bad they've been just across the board over the last decade. But Chris Beard's probably the guy. He'll probably do a good job. But I'm going to be watching very closely to see how it all plays out down there. Did you happen to hear Texas Tech Athletic Director Kirby Hocutt's press conference yesterday? Oh, I did. Yes. Well, for the listeners that didn't hear, you know, in a, in a day and age in which it's all PR statements, you know, prepared statements, this is what Kirby Hocutt had to say yesterday about Chris Beard. You know, we're going, we're going to fight. Use the term Coach Beard uses every day. You get in the fight. We've been in the fight for five years, and the fight's not over. And you have somebody that then walks away to, to go to an in-conference school, an in-state school. Absolutely, that frustrates me. That's what it does. If we're honest and loyal and sincere about talking about getting in the fight, and you're in the fight every day, frustration would be a, a fine word to, to summarize Woo. he also said that uh when tech goes to austin they'll they'll occupy a majority of the stands like they usually do <laughs> yeah he, he pulled no punches man it was it was unbelievable to hear a true honest statement from an athletic director well and as a texas tech fan imagine being a texas tech fan and watching that it's got to make them feel good right like okay our athletic director feels this too. He feels this hurt the way we feel this hurt. Uh, got a good buddy that I play golf with. I saw yesterday. He's a big Texas Tech fan across the board. He's he's from West Texas. He's always been a huge Tech fan. I was talking to him last night, and, you know, he, he just kind of said, you know, it's just frustrating because if he would have stuck around, who knows how much better he could have made the program. And it's just – it's another coach. And, look, I understand why he went to Texas. It, but it's just another coach who comes in, says it's his dream job, does a good job. Everybody falls in love with him. Things are great. And then the grass is greener on the other side. And maybe the grass is greener in Austin. Maybe it is. Austin's probably a better place to live than Texas. I'm sure his family will enjoy Austin uh, than Texas, than Lubbock. Uh, I'm sure that, you know, people enjoy living in Austin more. I'm sure they can pay him more money to work in Austin. But it's still frustrating for that fan base. So I know for that fan base, it must have been really refreshing to hear their athletic director express some of that same frustration. Yeah, I think a lot of that was playing up to the fan base. Uh, you know, don't, don't, 
try to run me out of town as athletic director since I couldn't keep the coach here. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on all the notes that you want said as well. So that was uh, that was great stuff. It reminded me a lot of the Brad Underwood situation where he just kind of skips town and no one knew he left till we saw a picture of him with the Illinois athletic director and a private jet on Twitter. I thought he handled that poorly. Clearly, Chris Beard handled it poorly in his exit as well. So a lot of similarities there, uh, in my opinion. But uh, Kate Cunningham, Colby, announces he's going to the NBA draft. It was funny, you know, OSU put out a tweet. You know, some of my OU friends don't follow OSU close enough, clearly. OSU put out a tweet, you know, press conference tomorrow with a picture of Cade Cunningham and Mike Boynton. And two of my OU buddies, within five minutes of each other, texted me and said, is Cade coming back? Like, they were scared to death that <laughs> Cade Cunningham was announcing he was returning because, as one guy put it, he's like, there's just – you guys brainwash people up there. They were like, you know, Marcus Smart stayed, Chuba Hubbard stayed. I, I wouldn't put it past Cade staying. They were they were just scared to death, Colby, that that Cade was going to come back for another year, which I thought was hilarious. But clearly, the press conference was him to announce the NBA. We saw that also to Mike Boynton speak about his his contract situation. But I thought it was interesting, Colby. They talked a lot about the recruiting process with Cade. Apparently, Mike Boynton had like a a book of like a plan, like a playbook almost about how each step it was going to go for Cade and this final step was getting him to the NBA. And it was fascinating to hear Cade talk about his recruitment. You know, he said his mom felt like a lot of the, the blue blood programs kind of felt like used car salesmen's and they didn't get that vibe at all from Mike, which is kind of the vibe. The first podcast I ever did with him on this, on this show after he was hired, like I just got that sense, like wow, this guy is going to really resonate in living rooms, and it, it, it's clear that he did in the, in the Cunningham living room. Yeah, I mean, it's it's blatantly obvious that he did there. I I loved kind of what you're reiterating too is is the Cade talking about how Mike wasn't a salesman. Coach Mike was not a salesman. He didn't go in and give this pitch. He got to know Cade. He talked with Cade. He he understood what Cade wanted out of his college experience. He understood where Cade wanted to get to. And, I mean, as a parent, isn't that all you want for your kid? Don't you want to send them somewhere and have a coach that cares about what they want, how they want to achieve it, and how you can help them get there? You know, it wasn't a sales pitch about, oh, you know, Gallagher Arena, this is how many people we can put in there. Obviously, that didn't pan out. You got to put 3,000 people in there. Uh, it wasn't about Stillwater in the campus. It, it was about you know, me and you, me and you on this journey together, I'll get you where you want to be. You'll help me in the process. It's just, it's a very symbiotic relationship between Cade Cunningham and Mike Boynton. Mike Boynton clearly has helped Cade Cunningham a ton. And Cade talked about how much he's grown and all that stuff. And Cade Cunningham clearly helped Mike Boynton a ton, helped him get his program back on track, get some other big name recruits into Stillwater and really kind of turn around this program. So it was really cool to see those two yesterday at the podium. Uh, and I also find it hilarious that people thought that he was coming back just because they were holding a press conference. We've known that he was gone. He got honored on senior night. When they finished the game on senior night, Mike Boynton talked to the crowd and the crowd was chanting one more year. And he said, no, 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 y'all stop that. This is Kay's last game in Gallagher. <laughs> exactly. It, it was, it's not like it was some state kept secret that we were all on the edge of our seat waiting to see whether Cade was leaving or staying. We knew he was going to the NBA. And as far as I could tell, everything I saw on Twitter yesterday was just people who are happy for him. Oklahoma State fans tweeting at him, hey, man, we love you. Thanks for the year. Go kill it in the NBA. I saw a ton 
of those yesterday on Twitter. And that's, you know, part of what I love about the Oklahoma State fan base. Uh, there are times where fans can be rational and can care about the athlete more than they care about the university. Uh, and I think yesterday was one of those times. So I was I was very happy with the reaction from pretty, pretty much everyone that I saw about Cade heading to the NBA. Yeah, I know. I, I thought the whole thing was was fantastic with with Boynton and, and Cunningham and the fans uh, reacting to him going to the NBA. And it's a cool deal, Colby. I thought you you made a point that I hadn't really thought of about about Cade and everything and that we're probably watching the best player who will ever play at OSU. I mean, the, someone can only tie him virtually by being the number one overall pick in the draft. But uh Look, he, he led the Big 12 in scoring as a freshman. He's the fourth freshman to win Big 12 Player of the Year, joining Kevin Durant, Michael Beasley, and Marcus Smart, all top five picks in the NBA draft. So he's an all-timer. And were there times where I thought he should have taken over a bit more? Sure. We've talked a lot about that. I do think he's a bit more of like a, like a LeBron type where he likes to facilitate more than just score 30 a game. But uh, Cade was awesome, and he bought in. I think I think some of that where he would kind of disappear in some games is a lot what Mike Boynton spoke about, about how he's such a great teammate. I think he, he didn't really want to just shoot the ball every time down the floor because he is a good teammate and wants to get other people involved. So the Cade Cunningham experience really lived up to the billing. I mean, they won their first tournament game since 2009, and you just got to tip your cap, and uh, I can't wait to see what he does in the NBA. Yeah, me too, because I I've said – quite a few times you know he was a great college player he was big 12 freshman of the year big 12 player of the year I truly believe man he's gonna be a lot better in the NBA than he was in college his game is is built for the NBA you know he's got just kind of a very I mean he doesn't have an old man game I mean he can get up and throw down a windmill we saw that during the season but he'll just kind of lazily put you to sleep with his dribble next thing you know he's around you and he's at the basket or he'll kind of lazily put you to sleep next thing you know he can step back but what I really love about him is his vision and he he didn't even average four assists per game this year but I mean that's college basketball there's no spacing in college basketball there's no defensive three seconds everything is played in a phone booth uh you know guys are very aggressive on defense because they're collegiate athletes uh you know college players just just the up harder than guys doing the NBA NBA. You got 82 games college. You got 30, uh, you know, college kids are 19 guys in the NBA are, are 30. So it, it's just, it, it's a little bit different, but uh, Kate's going to be awesome in the NBA. I just hope he goes to a franchise that will know what to do with him. Cause like if he goes to Cleveland, Oh man, we got problems. We got problems. If he winds up in Cleveland or Houston, I don't like Cleveland or Houston, any other option I'm okay with even well, maybe not Detroit, Cleveland, Houston. And <laughs> those are the three on my list that if he goes to those three, I'll be devastated. Yeah. I mean, Minnesota right now has the best odds, but again, uh, they have the exact same odds as Houston and Detroit for the number one overall pick. They each have 14%. Uh, those three have 52% of getting a top four pick. Uh, Cleveland's 45%. So he's going to go to a bad franchise. I think Minnesota would be a good spot just because they already have some talent around him and Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell and, uh, the former number one pick from last year. Uh, so they have some talent there in Minnesota. I think that would be a great spot. I just, for me, it, the, the worst case scenario is Houston, having to watch him play against the Thunder and certainly going to in the future play in some big time games against Oklahoma City. That would stink. But the Thunder have screwed over their chances of getting a top five pick with how many games they've won. They're sitting in ninth uh, with the lottery odds. They only have a 20% chance at a top four pick and only a 4.5% chance at the number one overall pick. So the dream of watching him play for the Thunder 
is virtually dead. But uh, Carson, that doesn't Carson, Carson, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. Let me let me just lay this out for the listeners. What if you know the Thunder? Obviously, they're not very good at losing. They they just they threw out a bunch of guys I've never heard of the other night. They beat the Raptors by ten. So Thunder aren't very good at losing. But you know what they're really good at? Accruing future assets. Now, what if? Oklahoma City put together a package. Let's say Oklahoma City gets the ninth pick and they want to move up to one. What if Oklahoma City offered a Minnesota, you know, four first rounders and eight second rounders? Because let's be honest, it wouldn't really make a dent in the amount of picks that Oklahoma City has. You can throw in one of these young guys that have played well this year for Oklahoma City. I'm just saying I'm not giving up on the dream. Is it going to happen? Probably not. But am I giving up? Absolutely not. Well, it would certainly take a godfather offer like that, where you mortgage three first-round picks in maybe a player like you mentioned. Perhaps they could trade like Shea Gilgis-Alexander and like two first-round picks. I think that would be appealing. Because um, let's face it, I, I love Shea Gilgis-Alexander, but this team is going is at least three or four years away from being three or four years away. <laughs> you know, it's going to take three or four drafts and then – three or four years of development for this team to get back to, you know, playoff contention and certainly championship contention. So I, I wouldn't hate that either, but you're right. It's, it's not totally dead. And look, they, they have more losses on the schedule. April's a brutal month, but they're gonna have a hard time catching the teams in front of them. And certainly you rarely see the number one overall pick traded, especially when it's a consensus type pick, like, like Cade Cunningham, which again, I, I've been impressed with the other top five players. I, I, I kind of think it's not a surefire thing. Cade's the best player in the draft just because I've seen a lot of great players, but everyone that covers this thing extensively is just certain that, that Cade's going number one overall, which, which I want to see. I want to see Cade go number one overall. That, that would be big time for him to have that, you know, on his resume. That would be really cool. Yeah. It'd be cool for Oklahoma state too, to mm-hmm. have the number one overall drafted player, which Oklahoma state, uh, unless I'm missing somebody has never had. Yeah. That would be uh that would be fantastic. So that's a little bit of the basketball news. Uh, North Carolina is open. What do you think about Roy Williams retiring? Is North Carolina the best job in the country in your mind? North Carolina is, man, it's way up there. Uh, it's, it's probably the best job in the country. I mean, North Carolina is a great spot. Roy Williams, obviously, has been a fantastic coach for a long time. Uh, first off, my favorite thing about Roy Williams retiring is following OU's Roy Williams on Twitter, who is hilarious <laughs> and who photoshops himself onto the body of North Carolina Roy Williams whenever people tweet at him. So that's my favorite part about it. But I don't know. I mean, it, it's not like they can just go around and absolutely handpick anybody they want to because there are contracts, there, there are things in place like that. But North Carolina... They, uh, they're not going to have to go searching too deep. I think they're going to figure out who they want and they're going to go get him. And I'll say this, it's not a great time for OU to have an opening because there are so many better openings than OU. Texas, you know, you can make an argument that OU's been a better program, but I think we can see from Chris Beer going down there that Texas was the better opening. Uh, As far as Texas Tech goes, Texas Tech probably not as good a job as Oklahoma, but it's at least comparable. Um, And maybe the program might be in a better place in the immediate future with Trey Reeves heading out. And uh, who else? Who else left for OU? Davion Harmon, I think. I think everybody's leaving other than maybe Brady Manick. Yeah, they're pretty much rostered out. Yeah, they're pretty much clearing out in Norman, so it'll definitely be a rebuilding job down there. So, well, do you um, see who the number one candidate is right now? Leading Porter candidate Moser, for OU, right? yeah, Porter Moser from Loyola. Which, 
again, I, to me, he knows X's and O's. Just ask Brad Underwood. He just de-pantsed Brad Underwood coaching, just coached him off the floor yeah. when they played Illinois. I just, I'm curious if he can recruit at a level with a Mike Boynton or a Chris Beard in, in, in the Big 12. Uh, that's that's a concern for me because he, look, he, he was playing with, with Rodney Farva at center, which that guy was a good player, but you got to recruit at a higher level at an Oklahoma. But he does have some ties to nearby. I mean, he coached at, at Little Rock, just like Chris Beard did. He was an assistant under Rick Majerus, which I think is a great coach to be an assistant under at, at St. Louis. But uh, he, he apparently is the leading candidate, according to Adam Zagoria, who covers this stuff very extensively nationally. So that that's a name to, to watch out for. Um, I joked, Colby, that Kansas should, or uh, North Carolina should just hire the Kansas coach again, just hire Bill Self and give him an, an escape route out of Lawrence. I was joking about that, but we have some breaking news. Kansas has reportedly signed Bill Self to a lifetime contract. It's a new five-year rolling agreement that automatically adds one year at the conclusion of each season, <laughs> AKA the Gundy contract. I was say, that sounds familiar. Oh, that's brilliant. Oklahoma State's paving the way for Bill Self, a, a former OSU Cowboy himself. So it appears, despite all the NCAA turmoil, that Bill, Bill Self is going to stay at Kansas for the rest of his career. How about this? Roy Williams retires yesterday morning, and Bill Self immediately calls his agent and says, some way, somehow, I'm getting more money and more stability. Make it happen. He hung up the phone. And within 24 hours, we've got a lifetime rollover contract for Bill Self. I mean, good for Kansas for locking up their guy. Because, uh, you know, maybe North Carolina would have come after him. They're certainly not going to now because I don't even know what a buyout would be on that. But, yeah, the Gundy contract making a reappearance. You got to love it. Well, and apparently that's what uh, Tech tried to offer Chris Beard, a rolling over contract as well. So it's it's, the, it's all the rage. Everyone killed OSU for the 10-year deal with Ford. Now people are going even beyond that with lifetime deals. So It's, it's all uh, fun and games until your players threaten mutiny. <laughs> exactly. I Again, I if, if the NCAA doesn't hammer Kansas, then it's just they're a fraud. So we'll have to well, wait and see what they, happens. They are a fraud, Carson. They are well, that's true. They, we already know that. Uh, pro day. I wish you had pro day up in Stillwater. Uh, some, I think it was a great day for virtually everyone that I saw. I mean, Tywin Wallace, I guess I want to start there. runs a four, four kind of backs up his time. He had at a previous pro day. I think that's really going to help him Colby because we all know the productions there. He came back and really proved himself again. And I think further solidifying he's back to full health was these 40 times, which NFL teams put a lot of stock into had he ran a four five or even worse. I think that really would have crushed his stock, but everything I've seen Colby, his stock is, is rising up to the mid to even early second round. Yeah. I've kind of seen most of mostly mid second round. I've, I've even seen kind of some mid to late, which obviously would still be a great spot. You know, actually, if you go in the later portion of one of the rounds, guess what? You're going to a better team. So I wouldn't even mind seeing him go late second round where he could get set up with a good quarterback who would help him. He, he's going to go somewhere. He's not going to be, uh, you know, I, I don't expect him at any point to turn into Randy Moss or Jerry Rice. He's going to be, I think, a really good possession receiver for a long time in the NFL. He, he's going to be a guy who can beat comparable sized corners on jump balls and who can pick you up a first down on third and seven. And that's a valuable guy in the NFL. I, I think he'll have a long career. Uh, and I think that whenever he gets somewhere, I think that his coaches, his quarterback and stuff will be impressed by his route running, by his hands, by his toughness, by his ability and his willingness to hit somebody and to get hit. You know, we've seen Thailand time and time again. I'm like, dude, 
it's modern college football. Please don't get yourself ejected for targeting on a crackback block. But he he likes hitting people. So uh, I'm a huge Tyler Wallace fan. We'll see where he ends up. Hopefully it's with a good quarterback. But I expect him somewhere in that mid to late second round. And like I said, if it is a, a few picks later, don't throw a fit because that probably means he's going to a better spot. Yeah, I mean, Todd McShay had him going to the Packers, which would be a lot of fun with Aaron Rodgers. That he could step right in on that receiving core. Also, Baltimore appears to be really high on him. That would be a great spot, a team that's in the playoffs every year. And, you know, Hollywood Browns had success there, but he's kind of just the home run hitter. He's not the every down, third down receiver that I think I think Tylen could step in right away there and be one of Lamar Jackson's go-to receivers. So the, those are some some landing spots that, that people are kind of pointing to as it currently stands. But uh, Chuba Hubbard, Colby, runs a 4.36. No surprise there. I thought he had 4.3 speed. I kind of thought he might even run something crazy, like a Chris Johnson, like 4.2 or something, because we all know he has Olympic track speed, but he apparently helped his draft stock with his 40 time. Yeah, I... uh... I've seen varying times on Tuba ranging from 436 to 448, which is obviously a pretty big gap. We know Tuba's fast. Um, Tuba, again, it's all about the spot that he lands in. I, I just don't want him to go somewhere where, like, the backfield is clearly established and he's just going to be able to work himself in for five touches a game. Like, I feel like when Justice Hill went to the NFL, I feel like Justice Hill went to the worst spot, man. They just, they, they didn't have a spot for him. He was just kind of a gadget guy. And now we're three years into Justice Hill being in the NFL, and he just doesn't have a ton to show for it. And that's just because of the place that he went. He, it was an established backfield. They had Mark Ingram, and then they go out and draft J.K. Dobbins. And it's like, there just never has been an ability for, for Justice Hill to break through. On the other hand, we see a guy like Chris Carson, who wasn't even as good in college as he is in the NFL. He goes to Seattle. They don't have a back, and he proves that he can be that guy. And now they just signed him to a, a you know, uh, contract worth, I think, like $21 million over three years. So it, it's all about situation. Again, I always try to, to tell fans of teams and of players, they just want their, their guys to get drafted as high as possible. I'm all for that. But I just, again, take a breath as you're watching the draft and you continue to not hear Chuba's name call. And then when those good teams that really need a solid back Whenever those teams pop up, all right, now you get on the edge of your seat. Now you get a little bit nervous. Now you start to panic, and you can get excited whenever he gets picked. So it's all about situation in the NFL. No, it's, you're so right. I mean, that backfield in Baltimore is just so stacked that it's Justice stacked. didn't have much of a chance at all. But uh, Tevin Jenkins has gone from, you know, fringe first-round pick early in the draft process to absolutely rock-solid first-round pick. He, I, Todd McShay had him going 25 overall to Jacksonville. That'd be a great deal for him, protecting Trevor Lawrence, coach, being coached by Urban Meyer, which you can say a lot of things about Urban Meyer. The guy knows football. He knows how to win. So that'd be a great spot for him. But he bench-pressed 36 reps on the uh, bench press, Colby. He, uh, he certainly has solidified his spot as a first-round pick. Yeah, he benched 36 bench press. Uh, reps and then he was asked to describe himself and he said a tough nasty mother you know what comes next I mean an NFL scout and NFL GM they were loving Tevin Jenkins yesterday he's he's a surefire first rounder he's a guy that if he gets out of the first round you can be surprised I'll be shocked if he gets out 
of the first round. His 36 bench press reps was ranked third uh, at the last NFL combine that was held. So I, I have no concerns about Tevin Jenkins. He's going to go ball out in the NFL. Like you said, Jacksonville would be a really good spot. Uh, you know, I don't even care so much about the, the Urban Meyer factor, but, you know, going down there with Trevor Lawrence to start something and could be there for a long time. You get to play in a division that's really not loaded. You get to play in a warm weather city uh, down in Florida. You got to worry about Gators, but that's about your only problem. So uh, I would like to see that for Tevin Jenkins. Uh, Rodarius Williams, I think ran like a four, five 40, I believe, yeah. which yeah. at his size, that might hurt him a little bit, but it will. It, it probably will. But again, he, his productivity, I think he's, I think he's turned a lot of heads. He's on all the pro football focus metrics on having a great year. So I, he will get drafted. I just, I don't know where, uh, Eamon Ogbong-Bamiga as well. He'll get drafted too, but uh, Dylan Stoner runs a four five, which I've tried to tell people like, he's not just some possession move the change receiver. He, he's got speed four fives legit. I mean, he won the 400 meter dash in high school at Jinx. So I, I think Stoner's going to get drafted. I think he's going to play a long time in the NFL. Yeah, I think Stoner will be a good NFL player. Um, you know, him and Rodarius were only about a hundredth of a second off on their 40 times, I believe. So if I had to throw out a guess for those two guys, just randomly throwing out a guess, I'll say, I'll say Rodarius gets picked in the fourth round. Let's call it somewhere around the 115th pick. Here, let me write this down somewhere. 115. That's my guess for Rodarius. As far as Stoner goes, have you seen much on Stoner? Is, is he projected to be a late-round pick, or is he projected to be an undrafted free agent? I don't. I haven't seen any projections, but uh, he could go undrafted. I, I kind of think he's going to get drafted. I'd probably say fifth or sixth round be my pick. Yeah, I think he'll be a third-day guy, um, and I think he can be in the NFL for a long time, you know, everybody jokes about him going to the Patriots, but <laughs> kind of fits the bill, doesn't he, Carson? He does, and I, I just think he's a guy that I don't really care where he gets picked. I just think once he gets into a camp, he's going to make plays. He's going to make a team. So even if he's an undrafted, you know, practice squad guy like like a Tyron Johnson who didn't get drafted and is now, you know, one of the one of the better receivers on the Chargers. So I, wherever he goes, I think people are, he's going to turn some heads. People are like, who's that guy? Who's that? And I think he's going to make a lot of plays. So. Yeah, that's, I mean, can you imagine him? Can you imagine him coming in as the third receiver at a place like Buffalo with Josh Allen, San Diego with Justin Herbert? Uh, I mean, shoot, what what if Tevin Jenkins and Dylan Stoner both wound up in Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence? I don't think that would be too bad. There are some good spots out there. No, there's some bad, there's some bad spots too. He could always get drafted to I don't know who doesn't have a quarterback. Washington? Do they have a quarterback right now? I don't know. Kinda. Uh, yeah, Philly. Philly doesn't have a quarterback. We know that. So, Jalen Hurts. Yeah, Philly doesn't have a quarterback. Okay, yeah, I might so, be drafting Jalen Hurts in fantasy. He gets those rushing yards. He'll. Uh, I I wish you the best of luck with that. I am so <laughs> out on Jalen Hurts as a starting NFL quarterback. I am so out. Like I I give it a one percent chance to succeed long term. All right. So, so, uh, so, by the way, if somebody's listening to that, don't tweet me in week three when he has a good game. I said long term, I don't think he's a guy in the NFL. So, get, catch me catch me long term, whatever that means. <laughs> One last note here, Colby. Spring game, Mike Gundy, with this being such an unusual deal with COVID and everything, he, he suggested that perhaps doing a spring game against Arkansas, Nebraska, or Texas A&M, he'd be for that, where it's kind of like a, an NFL-type setting. You know, NFL teams, they do – you know, inner squad scrimmages against other franchises during, you know, two a days and all that. 
that would be a lot of fun. We haven't seen that in, in really in the modern era in terms of doing spring game against another school. That'd be a lot of fun, wouldn't it? Oh, dude, that would be awesome. Count me all the way in for a spring game against another school. It would be the only thing that would drag me to Stillwater for a Saturday in April because this stuff that they've been doing for a while, these little whatever they call them, practice sessions, I I, I don't know. Uh, they actually did a spring game for a while, but Gundy talked about not having the depth. This year they would probably actually have the depth because they have so many more guys. They've got the super seniors with COVID. They've got all the young guys who've come in, so they probably have enough guys to do a spring game. But if they were to line up, do a little seven on seven and a little 11 on 11 against an Arkansas or an A&M, shoot, let's just let's throw out some uh, some old Big 12 schools, A&M, Nebraska, Colorado, Missouri. Bring it on. We'll take you in the spring. So I, I would love that. That would get me off my couch into Stillwater on a Saturday in April. That would be fun. That would be a lot of fun. All right. Time for one interesting thing. Colby, you got anything? One interesting thing, A.J. Ferrari, he's a showman, Carson. Oh, my gosh. He is a showman. Tuesday night at Bedlam, throws out the first pitch. First off, he grooves it right down the middle because why wouldn't he groove it right down the middle? <laughs> he then runs over to the first baseline, bends down, and flexes while yelling something that I'm assuming was not real kind at the OU dugout. And then he <laughs> rips his shirt off, flexes at the crowd, pumps up the crowd, and then runs back through the OSU baseball team as they show him love. A.J. Ferrari Carson is the master showman. I loved every second of it. I just, we got four more years of this guy. It's going to be awesome. It's unbelievable. I, I joked that Vince McMahon was on the first flight to Stillwater to sign him to a contract <laughs> because he just has to see dollar signs with this guy. He's already, he's already got the personality for it. I don't know if he wants to do UFC or WWE when his college wrestling career is over, he could probably take his pick, but uh, he, he certainly is a showman. He, He's like Johnny Hendricks mixed with Ronnie from the Jersey Shore. It's like the perfect blend of, of just, it's just awesomeness. And I, I love that. And he's, he spurred OSU onto a Bedlam win too. So that was, that was great stuff. Uh, yeah. By the way, the a couple walk-off wins this week, actually walk-off Bedlam win on Tuesday night. And then last night, I can't remember who the girls were playing softball, got a walk-off win. Uh, I think it was a walk-off two-run home run. For, for Oklahoma State softball, Kenny Gajewski got his 200th win last night. Josh Holiday got his 300th win Tuesday night in Bedlam. Oklahoma State Athletics, it's in such a good place right now, Carson. I, I can't remember a time that top to bottom, across the board, every sport, I could sit here thinking, you know what? They, they're doing all right right now. They, they've got things moving in the right direction, and that's how I feel about pretty much every Oklahoma State sport um ask me again a year from now on football but I, I pretty much feel that way across the board josh holiday's career record against oklahoma 24 and 7 Woo! that dog will hunt that's bully beatdown. by the way oklahoma state in any sport across the board has not yet lost bedlam in 2021 in in no sport beat them twice uh beat them twice in twice two or three times in women's basketball twice in men's basketball uh, baseball. I don't know if they've played in softball yet. Probably not. Cause those wins are coming for OU. OU's loaded in softball. Uh, there've been a couple other things, but Oklahoma state is dominating Bedlam in 2021. They're 15 and three in 2020 slash 2021. So yeah, really, really yeah, good. Nice. In Bedlam. nice. Colby, always a pleasure. Enjoy your weekend and, uh, we'll, we'll catch up with you next week. Yes, sir. Baseball, big series against West Virginia. So still a lot of sports rolling on in the spring. Go pokes.